Hello and welcome to Indiana Family Forum. Indiana Family Forum is brought to you by American Family Association of Indiana. Now here's the host of our podcast, Micah Clark. Well, welcome back. This is Micah Clark with the Indiana Family Family Forum. We have a new edition podcast this week. We appreciate you joining us around the holidays. I have a good friend of mine who will be no stranger to you, as someone I admire greatly for his talent and his stand for righteousness and truth. Uh, Peter Heck, you know him as an author, as a speaker, and as a radio host. And uh, Peter, it's great to have you on with us again. Thank you for joining us. Great to be with you, Micah, and, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Well, I um, uh, sent you something yesterday I wanted to talk about. I want to talk today about uh, some of the late things you've been doing lately. Uh, I know you're inde- marching on some new endeavors, but um, let's talk about the issue at hand here in Indiana that we're all expecting to come up in the legislature in a few weeks that the media can't hardly contain itself over and their bias, and that is elevating homosexual behavior to a special status of civil rights status in the same context we protect race uh, race skin color national origin to elevate a changeable immutable uh, um, actually mutable behavior changeable behavior to a special status what's your thoughts on that overall I know you've spoken about this a lot yeah uh, well it's it's flatly absurd and, and for the very reasons that you're talking about um, Historically, civil rights legislation has been based on immutable, unchangeable characteristics of an individual. And when you start applying that to uh, people's chosen behaviors, specifically uh, behaviors that are so um, uh, so vague, so obscure, so undefined, uh, if, if you want to call it that. I mean, you have, even in the LGBT movement, look at the L and the Gs versus the Ds. You have a, an amazing disparity there, one side saying that Sexual orientation, sexual behavior—that is, uh, that's predetermined at birth. You are born a certain way, and you can't change it. And then you've got the T side of that, that says things like Miley Cyrus that that sexuality and sexual preference that that's fluid, that it's ever changing. So from an economic perspective, you're subjecting employers and business people to uh, ridiculous levels of liability for things that they can't predict, that they can't understand. And, and then the other side of that is if you're going to protect one set of chosen sexual behaviors in this context, how do you deny providing protected status to uh, somebody else for a different, uh, a different chosen behavior like their political beliefs? Does does the Indiana Democrat Party have to hire me as their spokesman? And if they say no because he doesn't believe in what we believe in, then they are violating my civil rights or the ISTA, whatever it might be. It's an absurd, flatly absurd premise that is only being accepted in, in pop culture because uh, the media is totally sold out on this and won't apply any sane level of skepticism to it. Well, you know, you use the word sane there, Peter, and I have a concern that people aren't connecting the dots real well. I, I posted something, a story that you've probably talked about, I think maybe is a, even is on your webpage at peterheck.com, and that is um, this man who is transgender, but he's also trans-aged. He's a, a, <laughs> a male who, who wants to be a female or is identifying as a female, but he's also identifying as a six-year-old girl, even though he's got seven yep. children. And people are saying, oh, well, that's ridiculous. This guy's nuts. This is crazy. Many of the same people who think homosexuality are okay think that's extreme, but you can't separate the two. If I can choose my biology, why can't I choose my age? Right. Well, and that's 
and and that's the <laughs> people love to say, well, you're you're arguing slippery slope, and slippery slope's a logical fallacy. Well, it's no longer slippery slope when the same logic is being applied in in various cases. So mm-hmm. it's not as though I'm suggesting that a person who practices homosexuality is the same thing as a pedophile, is the same thing as as somebody who is obviously mentally disturbed to the point that they think that they can. Uh, suddenly be a six-year-old girl. I mean, that's obviously a mental illness. But each of those things, while they are different, they rely on the same absurd lie uh, at at their foundation. And if we're going to embrace the lie as a culture, which is what we're doing so that we can embrace the LGBT cause, if we're going to embrace that lie, then we are, whether we want to or not, going to embrace the consequences that come in other manifestations and other forms. And this this is certainly one of them. Well, Peter, you and I were talking recently. Let's put this, put a spiritual twist on this. Is this not all really another way yet America is shaking its fist at God? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what we are experiencing right now is what happens when man uh, gets too smart to listen to his creator, where, where we think that we can figure things out better, that we can do things better, and uh, and that's if you read scripture, especially the book of Romans, it's startling. You can read that book, and if you didn't know it was scripture, if you were unfamiliar with scripture and just looked at the words that were being spoken, how perfectly they fit 2015, 2016, United States of America. I mean, it's it's where we are, where God basically says to those who no longer have any use for his knowledge, who no longer have any use for his authority and his expectations he just says fine have it have it your way and we're turned over to all sorts of depravity and evil people uh, the the line in scripture uh, that people invent ways of doing wrong i mean if that isn't us if that isn't men dressing up as six-year-old girls uh, it's just uh, who would have ever thought of that and yet there's scripture saying you know they're going to invent ways of doing wrong and that's and that's certainly where we are. Um, now, that being said, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for uh, believers because as the culture becomes increasingly unhinged, uh, people who who still function rationally are going to be looking uh, for something that is unchanging, something that is concrete, something that is immovable and provides some form of, of sanity in, a, in an increasingly insane world. And that's, um, I think it's a wonderful moment for the church. Uh, I think that, yes, we're going to lose a large number of people that have called themselves Christians, and, and you and I know this, Micah, and, and the listeners know this, right now with this uh, this cause taking place where you're pushing this nonsense through legislation, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be an economic cost, a cost of reputation. You and I have both experienced that if you stand against uh, the perversion of the culture. Um, so all of those Christians that have called themselves Christians but don't want to sacrifice for the cause of Christ, they want it to be convenient, they're not going to be willing to go along with this. They're going to compromise with this, and and you're going to separate the wheat from the chaff. You're going to separate those that are serious about the faith from those that aren't. And I think that you look throughout history, that winnowing down, that refining of the church's fire, it always precedes an amazing explosion of real faith and, and what, you know, in some cases turns into reformations, and, and that's certainly what we pray for. Peter, I don't know if you've had this happen. I've, I've talked to missionaries who've gone out of the United States for a few years, come back on furlough, and they've said to me they couldn't believe how much things changed in just that short time, and yet many people within the church 
who've been here those last five years, who've been in the, immersed in the culture. It's kind of like the overused term of the frog in the kettle. The water gets warmer, but right. you don't even see it. Have you experienced that? I, mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, I never thought I'd see the day when this happened, but yet those there's so many people out there who just think we're in normal times, other than you know it's a bad economy. But culturally, I don't think a lot of people, even in the church, don't realize the dangers that are at their doorstep. Yeah, I, I think that that's very true. I was I, I was just telling somebody, and it, it might have been you, it might have been somebody else, but um, uh, a student that I had um, where I where I teach high school several years ago, he's become a missionary, and he's taken his family overseas. And and when he was home recently, uh, they were having their second child and ha- had her here in the states. Um, but when he was here, uh, we we were having a conversation, and I was saying to him, Nick, I can't. I can't imagine doing what you do, going over there and, and, and you know taking your whole family and subjecting yourself to an entirely different culture to to spread the word of God. And that's you know I was complimenting him, and he looked back at me and said, Peter, you go and you speak on on college campuses here in the United States, and uh, what you are doing that is so much more hostile of a mission field than anything that I'm dealing with. And it really blew me away. I mean, it was a it was a very kind word of his, but it also is startling when you realize it's true. I mean, people's hearts and minds in other places in the world are so much more open than the than the hardened um, opposition that you see uh, to and, and rebellious spirit that you see in this culture uh, to um, God's authority. And I think it, you know, it, it's the lesson that we've always known that with great blessing, uh, you can become very apathetic and, and begin trusting in your own strength in your own hands. And that goes back to the ch- children of Israel. So the fact that the United States is dealing with it is nothing new. It's just disheartening when it happens. Well, and it's something our founding fathers were very afraid would happen to us. And I'm afraid it yep. has. So. Yep, I agree. Well, we have an issue coming up in the state house that ties around this with a bill that actually two bills have been filed. One is the Democrat version from Senator Tim Lannon in the Senate that would elevate sexual orientation, gender identity, and civil rights status. The other one is the Republican leadership version. Not all Republicans support this, but it's the one the leadership seems to be pushing called Senate Bill 100, which elevates those two behaviors and claims to protect religious freedom. You know, Peter, it reminds me of the old joke that William Buckley had one time. He said, if the Democrats stood up and the Congress proposed to burn down the White House, there'd be a Republican who jumped up and suggested it be phased in over five years. And, <laughs> and that's that seems to be, we've got Republicans who can't see what this does, the threat that this causes to religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience. So they think that they can play, play both sides and talk about protecting us in our churches as if we need that and right. elevating homosexuality when the real threat is in the marketplace it's in the world where we live as Christians and live out our faith. That's where they're trying to silence us. And I'm very worried about this bill. Have you looked into this? Yeah, I, I have. And I think what you're dealing with, um, uh, I'm going to try to say this politely, uh, is is just buffoonish, clueless leadership that, that is desperate for uh, some form of of media acceptance and and mm-hmm. uh, you know to be seen as a uniter and not a divider and all of that political nonsense. Uh, but folks just aren't 
they're not thinking. And it's something that you have said. It's something that I've said, something that uh, other uh, pro-family voices have said in the state. It's fine to say that you want a compromise between the two sides, but compromise is not possible. And the reason it's not possible is because the beginning bargaining chip of the LGBT movement is the complete and utter deprivation of religious freedom, conscience rights, for those that disagree with their lifestyle. I, if, and, and I've given, I spoke at uh, a rally at the State House not long ago and just went through a litany across the country of, of places where the LGBT movement is saying it, it's not about the right to marry, it's about the right to have that Christian over there who objects to my lifestyle to make the bouquet of flowers. It's about that Christian over there who uh, objects to my lifestyle being forced to bake the cake. Or take the issue of Kim Davis, who mm-hmm. I, I think we, we all know the basic storyline, but a lot of people are unfamiliar with what happened when Kim Davis got out of jail and got her job back. That homosexual couple had received their marriage license while she was in jail, but now that they are issuing marriage licenses um, with a special statement on them so that uh, Kim Davis doesn't have to sign them, whatever, uh, that homosexual couple is now going back and saying, we don't want the marriage license that we've got. We want one where Kim Davis is forced to sign it. In other words, it's not about marriage. It's not about getting a marriage license. It's about forcing the Christian to uh, betray their conscience, betray their values, and be forced to affirm that kind of behavior. So any, any Republican, any, well, any person who honestly believes that there's going to be compromise, when one side doesn't desire compromise, is flatly absurd. And if you look at the documents that are now coming out, the word that's coming out from groups like uh, uh, what what is it that you call no freedom Indiana? I love yeah. that um, because that's I mean that's what it is. Mm-hmm. These these uh, statements that they're making they don't like this bill because it doesn't go far enough. They don't mm-hmm. want this. If if they can use it as a stepping stone, fine. But it's not the end goal. And for Republicans to not see that and just say okay. Sorry, we can't deal with people who don't really want compromise. That's not what this is. You know, it's it's well, it's just utterly failed leadership is what it is. Well, I want to talk about that email that I sent you from Freedom Indiana, but first, you tell a classic story and I know you'll remember it. You when you interviewed someone up on your radio station up in Kokomo and asked the activist if there could be compromise. Uh, <laughs> can you, you re- relate that story again? It, it's it's so telling. Yeah, it was Andrea Ritchie, who was, a, um, uh, well, she was an LGBT uh, um, lawyer, attorney, and uh, I was doing the interview with her, and I just flatly asked her, we've got the audio from it too, it's it's just kind of amazing, because this was several years ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and things have certainly progressed since then in the in the culture but I, I asked her the question i said do you do you see a way for the demands of the lgbt lobby the legal demands of the lgbt lobby of which you're a part and for traditional christian morality to peacefully coexist those were the terms that i used peacefully coexist and she said well of course it can uh, peacefully coexist if christians will give up their opposition to <laughs> to our yeah. cause and, and so in other words yeah if you surrender then we'll peacefully coexist but Barring your complete and utter surrender uh, of your traditional moral viewpoints on this issue, well, no, we can't peacefully coexist, and we're not going to stop until then. And if that isn't, if that isn't the most telling um, uh, admission of what this movement is about, I don't, I don't know what is. But yet you've got Republican Republican leaders that are going to bury their heads in the sand and pretend that they don't hear those things for whatever reason. 
Well, at least, she, at least she didn't ask you to pray to God and ask him to change his mind. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very that's true. I mean, they, act, they act as if as if his standard changes and he's, you know, forget that thing right. about the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, now, well, I know we're running short on time, and I want to address, there's an email sent out from a group called Freedom Indiana. I was jokingly calling him No Freedom Indiana because the email about the Senate bill is blasting the bill because, as you said, doesn't go far enough. So they're upset with this bill because it talks about freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, or at least those are the things we would like for them to protect by not doing this at all. But it looks like freedom in the end only supports one kind of freedom, and that's licentiousness. Right. Which is no freedom at all. I mean, that's right. that's one of the things that the founders stressed is that you have liberty, but then the abuse of liberty that actually results in the destruction of freedom and liberty, that term that they used was licentiousness. And uh, that's exactly that's exactly what freedom Indiana is is pushing. And uh, yeah, I think that I think that every lawmaker who is considering passing this bill and honestly believes, that this will be some sort of, of compromise, that this is going to make both sides happy. Uh, they need to look at that email and see this isn't the end game. If mm -hmm. you think this is going away, it's the same principle as when the Republicans put away the constitutional amendment um, protecting marriage in Indiana. Okay, well, we're going to get rid of that because there's no reason to push this. There's no reason to focus on this. It's not an issue. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and, and they thought that the issue would go away. Well, that it doesn't work that way. You you have strengthened the opposition now. You've emboldened them, and they're going to continue pushing what is a much larger sexual revolution for sexual anarchy. And uh, and and it's going to be the same principle here. And if they there's any question about whether or not this side really desires peaceful coexistence with rights of conscience for Christians, look at that email from from Freedom Indiana. And that is a hostile group to uh, Christians, to Christian businesses. And it's not going to stop there. It's going to go to the churches mm -hmm. as well. And, and Christian schools, we're already seeing those cases where Christian schools have to hire someone that yep. doesn't yep. live by biblical morality. So uh, if, if they can't see that, which you're either dealing with absolute abject fools or people that are saying that they're not seeing it because they're they're secretly or or you know they're complicit with the agenda and just don't want to acknowledge that. You know, Peter, this is not the best analogy, but what I think people don't understand is if you elevate this behavior to civil rights or special status, I call it special rights because you're taking away the rights of other people. We all support yep. equal rights, but when you're taking away from one group to give to another, that's actually special rights. But what they're trying to do, if you elevate sexual behavior, homosexual behavior, to the same as race or skin color, and you exempt churches, that's like saying that churches should be allowed not to marry black people. And right. we know that wouldn't stand. It's, it's a terrible argument. It's not quite the same in these two things. But, but when you elevate it, my concern is Senate Bill 100 elevates gender identity and sexual orientation to that same status. A judge will come along and say, well, you can't put any exemptions on this then and strike everything down the bill that talks about religious freedom. Well, that's that's exactly right, Micah. If you have – I mean this is so simple to understand. If it is somehow racist beyond the pale for – or not racist. Um, if it is discriminatory beyond the pale and it's something that can't be allowed – 
for a Christian baker to say, I don't want to participate in, in a homosexual wedding, if you want to call it that, um, then how in the world is it acceptable for a Christian minister to say the same thing? What makes discrimination and outright bigotry and evil, if that's what it is, what makes it okay if the minister does it, if it's not okay if the Christian baker does it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, And I, I posed this question to a reporter from the Kokomo Tribune on Twitter, just said, you know, just answer me honestly. Do you think a minister should be allowed to say, no, I don't want to conduct this ceremony? And they, their response, after I pushed them a little bit because they, they ducked and dodged, but eventually mm-hmm. said, no, I think obviously the minister should be forced to, to conduct the ceremony, but it's not going to be an issue because – what kind of homosexual couple would want to go to a minister that doesn't believe in their union? And I just laugh. I mean, the <laughs> one same, that wants the to change society. Couple, yeah. yeah, and the one that wants to go to a baker that doesn't mm-hmm. want to bake the cake. The same kind that wants to go to a clerk when you can go to a thousand other county clerks to get your marriage license. They want to go to the one because this movement is not about marriage. It's not about equal rights. It's about destroying rights of people that they disagree with and, and cultural upheaval. And you are exactly right about uh, where, this is, where this is going and what this is going to turn into. This is not the – term, the term for it in, in governmental circles, and I teach government, it's privileges and immunities. Mm-hmm. You are providing special privileges and immunities under the law to a certain group of people based on sexual orientation or sexual preference. And I actually use that in all of my columns that I write for The Star – and they will almost always change it to civil rights protections when they edit it for, for publication. Yeah. And it drives me nuts because it's not civil rights protections. It's privileges and immunities. Well, you know, what kind of person, what kind of sane person wants to eat food that somebody baked for him that allegedly hates them? I mean, clearly it's about <laughs> politics. If somebody doesn't like me, the last thing I'm going to ask them is make, have them make me a cake or a meal. I'm not going to eat food. Yeah. But, uh, you know, something – and I want to get to what you're doing because I'm very excited about the great work you do. But um, oh, that's fine. I, uh, <laughs> the author of this bill, Senator Travis Holdman, Senate Bill 100, the 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 legislator pushing this, Senator David Long. I could go on list after list of legislators, Republican legislators, who are willing to embrace this, and yet they claim to be pro-life. And you say, well, why do those two things matter? Well, there's several reasons. But you know what? We don't fight the pro-life movement for life in the same way we do this. I mean, imagine six months after the Supreme Court rules in Roe versus Wade, we say, "Well, we'll allow partial birth abortion. Just don't make Christian doctors do it." We didn't fight for abortion. Right. We didn't fight for life that way, or we would have lost in, in the first year or two. And yet, we're doing that now. We're not fighting against, you know. The, the wrong of uh, the, the dangers and the risks of that behavior. We're now saying, okay, homosexuality is fine, but let's just um, let's just exempt churches. If the pro-life movement had fought that way for the life issue of life, it, it would have been over within a few months. Yeah. Well, yeah. What you're talking about is an utter disregard that so many people who who really know better an utter disregard for the principles of natural law and, and moral authority mm-hmm. and, uh, and moral law. And that was something that our founders were very, very clear on. Uh, when your culture abandons natural law that always supersedes uh, the law of man, in fact, it's got to be the basis for the laws of man. And when the laws of man uh, are in contravention, or if they oppose, if they're contrary to the natural laws, the, the moral laws that govern the universe, uh, this whole thing isn't going to work out, and that's uh, that's precisely where we are. I haven't I haven't ever heard it worded like you just did, but that's 
That's exactly right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if we surrender to, oh, okay, we'll we'll disobey God's natural order and think there aren't going to be consequences mm-hmm. for that as a people, as a society. Um, again, we're back to the book of Romans, and God's going to do what he does and say, okay, if you're smarter than me, if you know better, here you go, and uh, enjoy the consequences. So yeah, um, I can't, I can't help but – certainly the case. I can't help but think of Dr. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration, the uh, leader in the in school movement, one of the founding fathers, who was very well respected, said, "Liberty without virtue would be no blessing to us at all." And yeah, that's exactly where we are. Hey, I want to talk to. I, I appreciate it. We could spend all day on the phone. I appreciate your time. Tell us about the new project you're working on at PeterHeck.com and 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 your podcast and those types of things that you're doing now. Yeah, the one that we're really excited about. I mean, we do have the podcast. We've got uh, the daily commentaries at PeterHeck.com, the Facebook page, Twitter, all of that stuff. And hope folks will, will join in and, and uh, engage the conversation that we're pushing. But um, the one that I'm really excited about, uh, my main job, I'm a public high school teacher. And one of the most difficult things for me to see are, are young people that I think are grounded in the Word of God. They've been raised in the church, and I really believe that they're going to be able to resist um, the lies and the deception of the world, the, what Colossians calls the fine-sounding arguments of men when they go off to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see them just a couple years later having walked away from the faith or, or at least compromised severely uh, on the faith and trying to live a dualistic worldview, which inevitably will lead to them leaving the church in some way at some point in time. And the statistics, Barna statistics, bear it out. Seven out of ten young people walk away uh, from church and, and from the faith. It's just it's devastating for me, and so I've always dreamed about doing something, even in, in my small sphere, whatever, whatever God chooses to do with it, uh, to fight back against that. And it's kind of taking shape now in what we're calling uh, 414 weekends, based off the, the Esther 414 passage for such a time as this. Um, I believe that that's, that's where I am, that's where we are, that God knew what was going to happen to our culture, but uh, knowing that he placed us here because he trusted us to stand for truth. And what we're wanting to do, we're taking high school graduating seniors away for a weekend, and uh, we're going to give them intense, immersive apologetics training, yes, but also cultural training to not just defend the faith like they'll be forced to do. This is not just defensive. This is teaching and training them how to change the argument, to reverse things, and to actually wage an offensive campaign for truth in our culture and and to be unashamed and unapologetic about doing that. And uh, I'll do five main sessions with them over the couple days, and then uh, you know we'll have uh, some breakout groups. We'll also put them up on stage and hurl accusations at them and train them how to defend themselves. And it's going to be a great weekend, uh, something that or weekends, something I'm really excited about. And we're in the midst of the fundraising right now. If folks go to 414project.com, that's just the numbers 414project.com. They can see the way the weekend's going to go. There'll be a register tab there once we get our date set. And uh, it, I, I'd love it if uh, if folks would come and support what we're doing because I think I think it can be a, a really good thing to uh, – I mean, you've got parents that are always scared about sending their kid off to college because are they grounded enough? Well, we're giving them all kinds of resources and, and contact info and training uh, so that they so that they are and they can resist those – 
uh, how do I put this nicely, idiot professors that they may have to deal with. Um, that, that was my nice way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm excited about it, and we'll see where it goes and, and hope God will bless it and uh, there'll be some fruit that comes from it. Well, I can't think of hardly anything more important than that. And folks, if you give now, if you go to 414project.com before the end of 2015, Peter has a matching gift. You can basically double your money. So that can be done through 414project.com. That's correct, right, Peter? That is absolutely right. Thank you very much for that. Well, you do great work. I've, I've said this to many people. I'll say it publicly here on our podcast. I've never seen you. I've had the privilege of speaking on stage with you three or four times, and I've seen you speak. It's always a joy. You do it 100%. I've never seen you do anything half-hearted. I've never seen you not do anything that wasn't total quality. So if you want a well, great I appreciate speaker, that very much. If you're a pastor, you want a great speaker at church, Peter's the guy. Um, and uh, if you want to give to something that helps change the hearts and minds of young people, uh, look at 414project.com. You won't be disappointed. Peter, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate your friendship and all you do for the cause of Christ and, and for truth in Indiana. And uh, have a great Christmas, and, and thank you for your time today. You too. I've enjoyed it. We'll enjoy it when we do it again. And uh, you guys have a great Christmas, too. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Indiana Family Forum. For more information on this and other topics that concern Hoosier families, visit us online at www.afain.net. That's www.afain.net.